God bless you. And I'm uh, the Bible teacher today, and uh, we're going to get our Bibles, if you would. I want to uh, turn to a couple of scriptures that won't appear immediately uh, in the, uh, on the screen. And we're talking about encouragement. Now, I'm specifically today, we're going back. This is the second time through. We're going to talk about encouragement as a spiritual priority. And we're using David as, as, uh, as the primary example, not, of course, the only example. And I want us to turn to 1 Samuel. I, I should have, two things I didn't put on here because uh, even though I had just gobs of time, I just didn't get it on here. So um, 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, uh, <clears throat> ver- uh, chapter 13. Now here we have the first, uh, well, let's, let's see, let's, um, well, let's begin in verse 1. And Saul reigned one year and... Uh, and when he had reigned two, uh, Saul chose him 3,000 men where of 2,000 were with Saul. And he goes through this. Uh, and then verse 3, Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in uh, Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet. But all the land saying, let the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines. And that Israel was uh, also was... Uh, had in abomination with the Philistines and the people were called together after Saul. So you're beginning to see that Saul's acceptance before the Lord is, uh, is, is wavering. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots, 6,000. And so it goes into uh, the battle that comes because of Saul's disobedience. Verse 7, and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad. and uh, this. So what is actually we're seeing here is the introduction of several problems in Israel that are going to last to this very day. We're still seeing Israel's, because of Saul's, well, let's say disobedience. We'll call it disobedience. And then uh, verse 8, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not. Now here we see the big big problem, all right? Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me. And so he was not supposed to do the job of the priest. So what did he do? He disobeyed the, the law of God. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an offering, which he was not supposed to make, the priest was supposed to do it, and that was Samuel. Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, I, I saw that the people were scattered, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and so I just did whatever I wanted to do. And therefore I said, I, the Philistines, will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering, which, of course, was a lie. So on top of it, he's lying to the, to the man of God. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Okay, see, they're putting that up. Thank you for doing that. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. Because he, here he was the king of Israel. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. You missed it. You, here you, God was getting ready to do this marvelous thing. 
and verse 14 now you're going to have to get ready here we're going to have a, a we're going to shift gears here but now thy kingdom shall not continue the lord hath all right so now we're shifting gears the lord hath sought him a man after his own heart everyone say praise the lord so I'm no longer looking to you, Saul. You, you're on your own. The Lord hath sought him. I would stick right there with the King James. A man after his own heart. Now, let's go. So when we read that David encouraged himself, I would say he encouraged himself. Okay, so let's, let's begin that process of how to make Encouragement. Now, I don't. I'm not talking about encouraging someone else, although that's a very important spiritual exercise to help other people encourage them. All right, that's true. That's a, but that's another thing entirely. I'm talking about encouraging yourself. See, that's different. It's one thing to say, "Well, how you doing? Did you, oh, did you? You know." Uh, that's good. That's a very important. I've, many times I've talked about it. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about how to find, to be encouraged as a spiritual priority. When you fail to follow the, the, the walk of obedience that produces the heart of God in yourself. For, for example, if your heart is evil and God's heart is righteous, you're, you're in bad shape. You will not find the hope and the answer that you're looking for. Now, people make mistakes, they don't understand, they fail, they, 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 they sin, they repent all the time. So we're not here saying that there's not a place for repentance. But what God is seeking for, now there was a point where God finally said to Saul, okay, that's it. You're, you're done. You're king, but I can't be responsible for what the end of all of this disobedience is going to bring to you. And, and I don't want to even begin to talk. That's a lesson in itself. I'm only bringing it up to show you that David, God began to seek. Now, uh, the, the theological uh, basis of God seeking, because how many knows that God knows everything? So when he's seeking, then that you're talking about something very unique here. He was seeking a man. King James says, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. Praise God. Now, let's go to the next slide. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And, and let's go to a negative here. Seven reasons that people are discouraged. Number one, we think that hope is out of reach. Opportunity is gone. So many people will do exactly what Saul did that we just read about in that little run through the early part of chapter 13. That I have to do this because uh, the man of God didn't do what I needed him to do. And I'm a king. And so I'm not only going to be a king. I'm going to take over the priesthood as well. It's just a, it's a great example of how arrogance against God is absolutely corrosive and destructive. So the moment you begin to, to lose your hope, then that brings discouragement. Number two, we think mainly about ourselves. Now, <clears throat> there's no such thing as encouragement that is thinking only about yourself. There's no such thing. The moment you begin to think only about yourself, this is why politics doesn't work. 
Politics is not an answer. Politics is only an answer to governmental detail. But what we've, what we've come to do, like communists and every other, every other ism in the world, they begin to put their confidence in movie stars, sports stars, politicians, and they think that's the answer. But it isn't the answer. That's why I respect uh, Dr. King so much, because Martin Luther King, not one minute did he say, I'm going to be the king of the world. He didn't say, I'm going, and of course he was assassinated, but he never one time said, I'm going to get elected. Now, had he done so, I'm not condemning people that get elected, but that is not the answer, my friend. The answer to your spiritual need is to have God's heart, to turn your heart towards him. Everyone said amen? So you can't be thinking mainly about yourself. So encouragement means sometimes when, when you become discouraged, and let me tell you, every human being becomes discouraged. There are things you don't know how you're going to, for example, Oh, I can't say that. Um, there are things that happen to you that you can't tell anyone. You can't tell anybody about it. Uh, I don't, see, I'm going to get emotional. I don't, I don't want to get emotional, okay? But I'm going to, but I don't want to, okay? So um, I was betrayed once. I was betrayed by someone that I had confided in. And they violated our trust, and it deeply wounded me. I have never spoken it to a single person except, of course, my own wife. There, there are times that the sword slices so deep and the pain is so unbelievable, you don't even know what to think. It's sort of like, how many remember the, in the Latin when uh, Caesar, of course, this is a, 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 it's historical, but it's also part of a play, that uh, when, C, uh, when uh, uh, Caesar was actually, of course, Caesar was this uh, um, unbelievably uh, carnal and uh i'm not trying to be just totally negative but but uh but he was uh he was assassinated and and when he saw that it was brutus he, he in the latin he said ete brute in other words even you brutus you're a part of this betrayal you see so it's very very critical that we not think that it is all about ourselves but it is about everyone else how many knows that god so loved the world it's amazing how so now i understand a four-year-old let me tell you about four-year-olds all right they think that everybody in the mall came to the mall just to see them so you're in the mall oh these people came to see me look at this look at this that's different when you're four you get that's okay I mean, you, you don't tell them, oh, yeah, you're the center of attraction. You just say, yes, honey, doll, or whatever, if it's a girl or a guy. I'm not suggesting it's a girl or a guy. Uh, and you just love them because that's what four-year-olds do. But here's what happens. Many people live as though that the kingdom of God is just about them. Lord, I need this. I need this. Oh, God, why me? Why me, God? Oh, God, but my life. And, and they, their lives are really not other centered but when you're going to have the heart of god then you become other centered and so see when you understand that it's about the whole world how many knows he's got the, this is a song of course but he's got the whole world in his hands all right so we think mainly about ourselves number three i'm not going to get very far if i keep doing this we're not immediately successful so in other words when it doesn't work out the way we want quickly enough 
See, we're getting really borrowing all these from Saul, but I didn't mean to do that. We're, we're not, if we're not immediately able to overcome it or whatever, we just feel like, okay, I'll never overcome it. And that's why sometimes it's good to learn from people that have a lot of courage, that have a lot of, uh, I mean, in the natural. Sometimes we can learn, the Bible teaches us this, we can learn from people that even don't know spiritual truth, but because of their determination. For example, now I'm not saying Helen Keller was not a, she was a very religious person and she was baptized in Jesus' name. So let, let me tell you, if you want to know about Helen Keller, just come and talk to me. But, but Helen Keller was both uh, deaf and blind, and yet she became one of the most famous women in the entire world. Because she did not focus only on herself. But there was a time, if you read her story, where she was completely like an animal. Who was the, the, the lady teacher? <laughs> Anne something, uh, anyway, uh, came and taught her how to sign with her fingers in her hand so she could figure out words. And the very first sign she learned had to do with her doll. And from that, she became one of the greatest speakers one of the most amazing people of all time. And uh, reach beyond herself. So sometimes when you're not successful, you continue, keep going. So number four, we lack a plan, purpose, or preparation. Uh, next, we fail to take action on the problem. In other words, uh, many, many times, people, instead of solving the problem, uh, are running from the answer. For example, God really has already told them what to do, but they're not going to do that. They're running. That's what Saul was doing. He was running. He was basically saying, I'm a king. Well, that's the wrong answer, Saul. You being a king hasn't got a thing to do with who God is. Because you think you're king, and therefore you do not have to uh, answer to God. Well, your, your, your days are numbered. All right, and so we're, then next, number six, we're struggling unsuccessfully against sin. So many times... The sin issue is affecting us in, uh, let's say, on a subconscious level. Sometimes because you're, you're unrepentant, you can't get past that to get to the next level that you're going to. For example, you want to hold on to your sin and still get the answer, but that's not possible. Because the whole uh, purpose is to uh, have God's heart. Does anybody here want to have God's heart? Can we just lift our hands and ask God to help us to have the heart of God in us, Father? We pray that your mind and your heart, let the mind of Christ be in us. Now, Lord, we know that we're, we're just weak humans, but we can seek after the very mind of God and the heart of God. Praise God. And, of course, if you have a negative attitude, you're, you've, you've already lost. All right, now let's go to uh, a little look. At, now, this Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, let's think about this word, uh, how the word courage and encourage. And everybody, everybody say, praise the Lord. What I'm doing here very quickly is I want to make this connection between the word courage and the word heart because they are connected. For example, woohoo, woohoo. Okay, see, the word courage is a Latin word that means what? Heart. Is anybody with me? Nope, you're not with me. So I, I'm, I, okay, I'm going to keep saying it. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so, so Cordis in Latin, by the way, I know, I, I studied Latin. I have a degree in Latin, all right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, and, and I know you care. You care about that, right? So Cordis means heart. And when you say courage, the English word courage means to hearten someone. 
What, the reason I'm saying this is when you're talking about encouragement, you're talking about a fairly difficult word. I mean a fairly, I don't mean difficult, but a fairly complex concept. When you receive encouragement, some people say, well, they came over and they patted me on the back. Okay, that might encourage someone. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, knocking it, but it is way, way, way more than just coming over and saying, you know, you look really nice today. And I mean, sometimes that, you'd be amazed the times when I didn't think I could hold my head up and someone just said, like, well, I can't tell you the times. I, and I would say, God, you sent that person You sent that person because I was struggling with even getting through. So what is encouragement? It's it's a matter of the heart. How does my heart respond? Everyone say amen. As a man thinketh in his heart. Now that that theologically has needs a whole lot of work, but uh, let's let's keep going. Okay, so we've looked at that little Latin idea there. Some of you thought you couldn't bear it, but you got through it. Right now, we're going to go back. And, of course, I'm repeating here uh, Psalm 27 and 14. Now, here is a, a wonderful example of encouragement and how to receive it. That, and if your heart is able to trust God and trust the heart of God. How many here today believe that God loves you today? You believe God loves you? Well, that changes everything. That changes everything. When you know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that God actually loves you. Now, I, I didn't say that he doesn't give a hootenanny. Is hootenanny a bad word? Uh, okay, just in case I'll, I'll strike that. Uh, so you don't give a care. <laughs> I've heard that expression. You don't give a care. Yeah, that's, a, that's okay. You don't give a care. Uh, that when you turn your heart toward what God wants, suddenly you are receiving what you were created to be, what you were meant to be. Can you say amen? Suddenly what begins to happen is, this is why when people come to the altar and they, they, they kind of just sort of, act like they're at the zoo, they don't get very far. But when someone comes to the altar and they seek after God, not when I was in Bible school, I had a really close friend that did not have the Holy Ghost. So he was there to study to be a preacher, but he had not received the Holy Ghost. And we were roommates, and, and uh, I had, this is a long story, but he, I, uh, he kept telling me, I'm not going to seek the whole, for the Holy Ghost at this college because they will they drive me crazy. And the very first service we went to this church ran about 1,200, it's a big church. And um, and so we got in there and I was up at the altar with him and they got around, laid hands on him. You would have thought he was a, I mean, it was incredible. I shouldn't, Lord, I should why am I telling this? You know what I'm going to tell? Okay. So, I'm praying for him. Lord, help David, help David, help David. Because I knew he was mad. He was so mad that he almost punched the guy that was right there. You know, they were all around him. He could barely breathe. And there was a, one of the guys from the college 
was there and he was wow 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 and he kept pulling his coat off like the, the david's coat not his own coat and I knew I could see his fists when he started making the fists. And they just thought he was really getting anointed. He was getting ready to... And this guy, let me tell you, he was a boxer. He was getting ready. And I was like, oh, Lord, help David not to go to hell. Help him, Jesus, right now. And, and, and they got his coat completely up to his wrists. I can't do it. I'd love to make an illustration, but I can't do it. Right up around his wrist, and almost often they were all they were about to run wild because they had his coat off. And it insulted him so bad that they would rip his coat off while he was praying. That he, he had told me, I'm gonna kill someone, and I said, Now see, that's gonna send you to the bad place. You don't want to do that. Uh, I was trying to encourage him. I had just met him and we were becoming friends. And, uh, and I knew he was making all the wrong decisions. And when they, they almost got his coat off, instead of beating the guy in the face that was right there, he turned around, looked him in the eye like that. And the guy had that look of, I'm going to die. I'm serious. I was, I was there. I was there when it happened. I ought to know. And he turned back around. He pulled his coat back on, tightened like this, put his hands back up like that, and he got the Holy Ghost right then. Yes, he did. He got the Holy Ghost right then. And I told him, I said, what, you, you were going to punch him? He said, yes, and I repented, split second repent, and I turned back around and I said, nobody's going to keep me from the Holy Ghost. And he got the Holy Ghost right there. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, now let's go to Psalm 27. Wait on the Lord. Everybody say, wait on the Lord. Everybody say, wait on the Lord. See, this we're, we, don't, we don't like this. I can just sense we don't like it. You don't like it. You don't want me. You don't even want me. to. I can't even lay my keys down over here. Oh, what's he doing that for? Get on with it. Come on, get on with it. Wait on the Lord. We can't wait. No, no, we can't. No, I'm, I'm being a little hard on you, but when I say it, I mean we. I literally mean we. There are times that we just say, Lord, 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 Lord. But if you're going to have God's heart, you have to wait on him. You have to wait on the Lord. Then, see, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Everyone say good courage. Does anyone know what bad courage is? No, because there's no such thing. See, this word, we're calling it encourage, but sometimes it's translated good courage. The point, of course, is that your heart is where it ought to be. That's why we call it good courage. I'm where I, I am. In, I'm heartened. Uh, uh, someone says, uh, uh, your, your baby's going to make it. She, they, they walk out uh, and, and you've had the surgery and, the, and, and they've sewn them back up and they come out and they say, everything is fine. He's doing great. <sighs> See, that's, that's heartening someone. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Have you, have you ever been there? And then you just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Of course, if you're in the middle of a big 
waiting room and there's all kinds of other you know what in a waiting room though they i've gone in right in the there could be a hundred people i was there not long ago walk right in and and the people were crying and i walked over and there were people all around us and i walked over and said in jesus name and we just had a hallelujah meeting and you know what everybody did they bowed their heads if they were offended and filed a complaint with the whatever you do that with i never knew anything about it because they just, they just prayed, and they just, you could just tell that. Uh, and then when the, when the report came back, you know what they said? God answered that prayer. Anybody believe God answers prayer? You wait on the Lord, and you be of good courage. Harden yourself, and, and he shall strengthen what? Yes, he will strengthen your heart. See, a lot of people don't take this seriously at all. They will do things in their heart that they know is evil and they think they're getting away with it because nobody knows about it. And they're full of sin. Their heart is not right. But wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now let's go to the next one because I want to go a little bit further here. Now we're coming to our scripture in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, where this gentleman's praying, all right, uh, okay, and so we're looking at 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David, everyone say it. David encouraged himself. Let's say it again. David encouraged himself. Okay, he encouraged himself. Now, this is, uh, of course, at the center of what we're trying to to figure out. How do you... If you're going to have God's heart, if you're going to have the, think the way God thinks and have God's heart in your heart, God isn't going to just say, okay, all you people here, here's, I'm going to have a transplant and give you my heart. The way you receive it is to encourage yourself. Now, I don't want to make too much of it, but I, I really feel strongly today that God wants to bring to someone today the hope and the answers that God has for your life. And the devil wants to make you think, oh, it'll never happen. I can't do it. It's too hard. It's just too, too much trouble. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, let's go to the next slide because we've already been here. I'm just, I'm not going to repeat all of the stuff that we've done there. Let's go to the slide now where David is a boy and he's not seen Goliath. He's not seen anything. In fact, there's the brother standing in the background. <coughs> and, of course, you'd notice that we're in verse 6. Oh, wait, no, no. Uh, uh, verse 6, of course, is the scripture we're talking about. I'm going to read it again. But um, this is early in the very first chapters of Samuel where the Lord says, I, I want to anoint a king. The king is out there. I'm waiting for the king. Saul has failed me, but I have someone that is a man after mine own heart. Everyone say, praise the Lord. He's a man after my own heart. But this was, he was literally just a boy, maybe 15, maybe 17. I mean, I doubt he was any older than 18 or 19 years old. It's, it's a very young boy, the youngest son of Jesse. And the Bible tells us that after they went through all these, it's okay, it's one of Jesse's sons. And, of course, they didn't even bring David because he was out with the sheep. He was just the... The, the, the dirty uh, shepherd, he's the young, he's out taking care of the sheep here. All the rest of us are uh, hoping we're going to be king. It's going to be me. And, 
as, as Samuel went through and waited for God, he couldn't find uh, the mind of God on any of these other sons. And he said, you must, you must have another son because uh, I, I, it's not one of these boys. You, you do have, what's wrong? You have another son, right? And they said, well, yeah. So David's out with the, with the sheep. Go, go get him because he's the one. This boy was chosen because he had a heart after God. And I want to tell you something, my friend. The moment you turn your heart to God, the devil has put you in his sights. But the devil is a loser. Hallelujah. The devil is a loser. Because God has prepared a place for us that nothing in this world can compare to. Praise God. And so when David's kingship was under question, and uh, I, I, I don't want to go into that. I want to go look to something else. But look at, look at verse 6 again. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. The, the point here is that David had a situation where all of the people that were following him were disappointed in him because they were suffering. And they looked to David. Why isn't David helping us? And David had done all he could do. And, and the people decided or, or spake. They were talking about stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. That is, every man for his sons and for his daughters. They had come in and taken their children and swept them away. And then we have this famous expression, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Somebody needs encouragement today. I wonder if you could just lift your hand with me. Could you, could you just pray for just a moment? Lord, I want to wait on you today. I know that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm facing, that you are bigger than my problem. And I thank you, Jesus. And I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I really do. I feel like God is uh, doing something. So he encouraged himself. So that's really what we're talking about. David, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to buck up and be tough. That's not what he did. See, that's what makes me mad about the devil. Oh, yeah, be tough like that guy that pumps iron every day. Woo, I'm tough. So I go out there and I'm tough and I just tell those guys. No, no, no. No, that's not what it means. No, when he encouraged himself, it had nothing to do with him being a tough guy and all the rest. No, no, what it means is he turned his heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And when he failed God, he couldn't bear it because he had done what he should not have done. And let me tell you the difference in the devil and a David. A David says, I will turn my heart back to God. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. So if you think this lesson is a little intense, well, then you're right. And I don't know why it's so intense. Maybe I'm just feeling it. I don't know. But anyway, look at the bottom there. I'm not giving you the translation, but most translations, I, if you find one that doesn't say what this says, I would love you to just send me an email because I can't find one that says anything other than David strengthened himself in the Lord. 
Now this word can mean strengthen, but my, my point is that means that new translators have settled on the idea. Now the Greek word is katzak, all right? I mean the Hebrew. Uh, katzak, uh, the, the Hebrew has a letter that uh, some people would say, like you want to say cheese, don't say cheese, uh, but they, they're not saying cheese. Of course, that's not a Hebrew word. Am I confusing you? I'm trying to give you a word to help you understand this letter. Uh, but if you said keys, you would have it. So katzak. Some will say shazak. All right. And some leave the the out of it. Are, is anybody awake here? Does it matter to you? So katzak has a, actually a T sound in the middle. But most people take it out. So that's fine. But if you're Jewish, you're not doing that. And so katzak means to encourage. Everybody say encourage or to strengthen. Now, here's my point. Here's my point. Encourage means to strengthen. That's what it means, to strengthen. And so I don't know how I'm going to do it. The devil says you're never going to get out of here. Look at this. The, we're going through and it's all this. The, the Hebrews are behind. I mean, the, the, the Pharaoh's army is behind us, but you keep going. You encourage yourself. And Moses said, here's my rod. I'm going to hold it up. He strengthened himself. This goes on and on and on through the Old Testament, all through the Bible. So the katsak simply means uh, to encourage. Now, sometimes it's transferred. Listen, sometimes it's uh, translated fortify, establish, become mighty, or repair something. Because this word has this meaning. Just like uh, English words have various meanings. Or to behave valiantly. So you could find kazak in many different settings. And all of them have to do with the idea of encouraging or strengthening yourself. Now cowards, of course, they, you know, they run. They, uh, they're thinking only about themselves. But if you have the heart of God, you don't say, well, uh, who cares about all of them? It's all about me. No, David strengthened himself. In fact, this entire story was about a, about a, a, a king who uh, all the events that were taking place were not his own doing. But he didn't say, it's not my fault. Oh, why me? He didn't cry. He didn't whimper. He said the very next thing he did was he fortified his soul. And said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for it right now? In Jesus' name. Now I want to show you how Jeremiah did exactly the same thing. Now grab your Bible and let's look at, uh, uh, well let's go to Jeremiah 32. And then it's going to be here if you don't have a Bible. Uh, but, but let's look. Now this is a famous painting of Jeremiah. Uh, and this was his... Uh, um, Emmanuelensis or someone that would write down as Jeremiah. So the Bible says in Jeremiah 32 and 36 and 38 that they were so angry at his prophecies that they cast him into a pit. And then it, the, 
the King James says he, it, there was so much uh, mire. In fact, I, see at the bottom. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See right there? See that word right there? Jeremiah sunk in the mire. That's right out of the King James. The reason I put that there was to kind of set the stage for Jeremiah 32, 17, where Jeremiah also encouraged himself. That is, he, he heartened himself. He said, here I am in this circumstance. So what I'm saying to you this morning is, no matter what you're facing, God is bigger than your problem. God knows exactly what you need. So they threw him into the pit, but he kept prophesying. And so there's this, I could have gone into, we're not, I'm not teaching a whole lesson on Jeremiah. But so Jeremiah is thrown into it. But here's the part that I find just amazing. Sister Rich, did you ever notice this? That the King James says, and I don't mean that, I just mean this the way it's translated, that they threw, when they threw him in, that he, be, he there was, it was like a, a muck and mire at the bottom of this pit. And, and yet it was, the King James translates, a dungeon. In other words, it was a prison which had at the bottom uh, mire. Do we still use that word? Does anybody know what we mean when you say mire? We used to say muck. Does anybody know what muck is? Is anybody awake? Is somebody actually... Is anybody actually awake? Anybody out there? Okay. M muck. <laughs> Sister Rich, you and I are just having a great conversation. Uh, muck. Is muck a word? Am I just off or something? Muck is a word. It's not a great word. I know nobody likes it. If it's muck, uh, and I don't know the difference in muck and mire. I don't know the difference. Muck is... Muck... So I just got the difference between muck and mire. <laughs> so in other words, there is a difference. But the point is that the Bible says that when he got down in there, here he was, the man of God, maybe one of the greatest men that ever lived. The more I read, the more I think about this man, this great prophet, Ikatashandalabosha. Ha ha! Hallelujah. And yet, did the world recognize him? Did they say hallelujah? No, they threw him into the mire. So I don't want to go into the mire because I don't want to talk much about the mire. But I'm trying to show you that the, the Bible specifically says, and I gave you the scripture, Jeremiah 38 and 6. I gave you the end of the verse. There's a whole bunch there. But it says, Jeremiah sunk. Although I know that, that probably in modern English you wouldn't say sunk. But Jeremiah sunk. Does it say into? In, he sunk in the mire. That means he's down there prophesying and his feet, sandals, if he had them on, if not, it didn't have sandals on, then he didn't have anything on his feet. And he began to sink into the mire. And I don't know how far he sunk. Maybe he just got, kind of got in it and it's around his, uh, not, maybe not even to his ankles. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of guessing it was kind of ooey gooey down there. And, and, and uh, in other words, totally and completely humiliating. But Jeremiah did not give up. Jeremiah was God's man. And he stood there no matter what anybody else says. And notice how he encouraged himself. Ah, Lord God, behold, 
Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power. I may be down here in the muck, but you're the God of heaven. And I remember that. I remember that. You made heaven and earth, and there is nothing. See, this makes all the more sense to me when it's being said from a pit where a man has been completely demeaned. And let me tell you, we're in a culture that's demeaning more than we realize. We're living in a culture that is becoming more and more angry, more and more sinful, where young people are getting fewer and fewer answers. But how many knows the truth never changes? No matter what anybody says, God is still God. He still made heaven and earth, and he is the answer. God is going to give the church a powerful revival because it stands in the midst of the muck of this world and says, I encourage myself in the Lord. He's my maker. Hallelujah. Someone gave me a book the other day about, uh, about evolution. It was very, very good. And I devoured it. True. I mean, just couldn't wait to read it. It's all about evolution. And they were talking about the, uh, like a million years ago, a guy got up and, and the smoke of the fire. And I said, this guy is lying. Because nobody knows what the smoke was doing a million years ago. But he's brilliant. And do you know what he said? This is one of the most famous books on evolution written in the last bit. I, I got to do more research on it, but I think it's the most famous book on evolution written in the last, at least the last decade. In the end, he says, we've all come from the animal world, but we're about to destroy ourselves. He didn't even need a Bible to conclude that man's end was going to be destructive. Well, I got a Bible, and it says, In the last day saith God. Does anybody know that God, that God is in charge? Can we stand together? I got to stop. I got to get out of the way before they uh, get the hook and pull me off. Okay, let's lift our hands together, shall we? Let's stand all across the sanctuary, and let's pray and ask God to bless as our children and our Praise team come in.